welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm Petter and this is James. Hey! And for this special episode, we're joined by our very special guest and good friend Chase. Hey everybody! And the topic in today's episode is the manga Planets. At least I think it's just pronounced Planets. It's spelled kind of strangely, but I'm, I guess it's Planets or... Something like that. I looked it up. It's Latin. It means wander, but that's like where the word planets comes from. Oh, thank you for notifying me. I had no clue. Okay, but that, that's good. To, that, that's really fun to know. Yeah. It's planets. It's, it's how you pronounce, you know, the inflection. Not, not planets. 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 No, I don't know. It's I'm Latin, so you kind of have to do an Italian <laughs> accent. <laughs> planets. Uh. Planets. Oh, that was bad. Oh, no. <laughs> We're off to a great start here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were just talking about the Mario movie trailer, so... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know. Very well. So, Chase, why don't you give a little bit of an introduction of yourself and maybe tell the listeners uh, a bit about what you do online. Okay, yeah, so I'm Chase. I also go with Spoiler Goblin on my YouTube channel. I've known these two for years now. We've done different podcasts and YouTube channel stuff together for a long time, although it's been a while since I've worked with them. On my YouTube channel, like I said, it's Spoiler Goblin. I just talk about video game lore mostly. So if you like Song of the Hedgehog, if you want convinced that Mario actually has a story, <laughs> uh, stuff like that, then go ahead and come on over and see what I do. Yes, you do definitely do that. Uh, and you know, it's funny at this point. I think it's safe for me to say that James is the person I've podcasted with the most in like total. Probably, however. Chase is the person I've podcasted with for the longest, kind of on and off, uh, I would say, like, hands down. Because it's really been, ever since 2016, we've, I, th I believe, done at least something every single year, uh, more or less. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I think that's, I, I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to be talking about the entire manga of Planets. So uh, if you haven't read it or watched the anime, I guess, because there is an adaptation that I haven't seen. But anyway, uh, if you haven't, then um, well, I recommend you return to this episode after having read it. Uh, because, yes, spoiler warning here. Brief background information, Planet is a manga written and illustrated by Makoto Yukimura between 1999 and 2004. Uh, the year after he finished this one, he went on to start writing Vinland Saga, which James and I have been covering on this podcast as well. Uh, and we have been, well, we've been absolutely loving it. Um, mm -hmm. anyone who's been listening can, can, uh, well, we'll, we'll know that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's very exciting, I think, to discuss Yukimura's previous work here on the podcast as well. And I thought it was very interesting to see kind of how a lot of the themes and messages that Yukimura included in Planets, he would later on kind of expand on and, and, and in my opinion, I guess, even perfect in his Vinland Saga manga later on. Obviously, there are differences, but I do think mm -hmm. there were some things here in Planets that he kind of reused, in a way, for Vinland Saga. Obviously, we don't want to go into spoiler, spoilers for Vinland mm -hmm. Saga now, but um, I, I thought that was interesting to kind of find, to find those little things here. I'm glad you said it, because that's what I was thinking, <laughs> awesome. reading it through it. It felt like, now obviously the settings are different, characters and whatnot, the details are different, but it did feel like the the philosophical questions he asks were kind of in its forming stage. Like he, he wasn't quite sure where he wanted to go with these questions until he got into Vinland Saga. And of course, Vinland Saga answers different ones as well, but right. it does keep some of the same themes and gives maybe more clarity to some of the, like I said, philosophical questions he brings up. 
That being said, you know, you can definitely tell Planets is Yukimura's writing and his type of storytelling. And um, it kind of formed what really he wanted to be as a writer. At least that's what it feels like to me. And I respect it for Mm. that. Absolutely. I agree completely. I'll admit I haven't actually seen or read um, Villain Saga. It's been on my list for quite a while now. I just haven't gotten around to it. So this really was my first introduction to his writing and his animating. So very good introduction, though. Very pleased with it. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So yeah, and yeah, I, I can say pretty safely, if you enjoyed Planets, you will very likely, you, you're very likely to enjoy Vinland Saga as well. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> because obviously, like, the tones and kind of the the comedy and, like, I guess the balance between serious kind of drama and stuff and, uh, and the comedy is, is, is similar. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely would, anyone who likes Planets, I would also recommend Vinland Saga. Uh, even though obviously the setting is very different, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I overall had a great time reading reading Planets. Do you guys have any other initial thoughts you'd like to go over before we get into the character discussions? So, in some ways, it, I guess just kind of giving a a broader look at, at Planets, it does kind of feel like a ocean odyssey. You know, astronauts being sailors, or vice versa, sailors being astronauts, and just kind of the the mindset of discovering the new world, quote yeah. unquote, new world, and mm. and just combing the the globe away from family and um, things like that. So it does kind of have that, yeah, ocean voyage type thing to it. And maybe that's just hard to avoid when you're talking about space and and just going out to exploring new things. But I just thought it was interesting to see him take this futuristic space odyssey, but still have elements that you could see maybe even in. Uh, our own history mm. and maybe the mindset of people way back then or even now absolutely yeah yeah i definitely like that aspect i mean and they even refer to the astronaut astronauts as sailors a couple times in the manga right so, yeah it's mm. definitely a parallel i think that was probably intentional very well then let us go through the characters one by one or at least the, the major ones we'll, we'll we'll touch on the smaller ones as well but let's uh, start by talking about hachirota hoshino and the first thing I want to address here, actually, regarding him is not super important, perhaps, but it, it's about the, the fact that Yukimura didn't color his hair in the first two chapters. <laughs> um, like, he looks, if you just look at, look at the panels, like, he looks blonde, kind of, or at least that's, mm-hmm. I think, what you would think if you didn't actually know that he has black hair. Uh, although, at the same time, I understand that... It, the intention was always for his hair to actually be black. He, Yukimura, just for whatever reason, decided not to not color the hair um, in the first two chapters. Or at least that's how I interpreted it. Um, well, hold up. Oh. I don't know if that's even true because let's take Yuri, for example. In the color pages of the, of the very first chapter, mm-hmm. Yuri has black hair. But oh. um, Hachimaki, which, which is... Real quick, another thing. They keep changing his name. Like, they well, give him all sorts of nicknames. Well, Hachiroto is his real name. Hachiroto is his real name, yeah. But most of the time, they're calling him Hachimaki. Uh, yes, it's like his nickname, Because I suppose. of the headband he wears. Precise. Hachimaki is headband in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be calling him Hachimaki. But That's fair, yeah. The In those first, like, few pages, yeah, he was he kind of had, like, it looked like he had lighter hair than Yuri. And Yuri had, it was, it was colored black, his hair. But then, like, after the, was it after chapter three or something like that, it completely switches. And I also felt like the art kind of changed, too. Like, it suddenly he found, like, a style that worked for him or something. I don't know. That could it was a little be strange. True. 
yeah. definitely a shift at some point. I'm not entirely sure when it hit. Right. Yeah. I, like the first few <laughs> chapters, you know, it, you could tell he's trying to find the style that works for him, especially within the character designs. Mm. But, you know, you, you look at chapter one and chapter two, it's just, you could see the improve, the vast improvement. Uh, absolutely. Um, that's very true. I, I don't know, for some, I'm looking at it now, and yeah, I didn't really think of it as much for the other characters. I guess it is not as obvious, but yes, there definitely is a difference there as well. Uh, but at least for Hachi, I was thinking, or <laughs> I made up headcanon here. <laughs> um, oh boy. Because, well, throughout the manga, we do see, you know, obviously time passes and uh, several characters kind of change their hair, hairstyles through the years, which, you know, is only natural, you know, it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And I was thinking that what if, you know, during those first two chapters, during that time, Hachi was just, you know, he had his hair bleached or, you know, something like that. <laughs> but And then Yuri bleached his hair as uh, well? I, I guess <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> uh, sure. but, but maybe not. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the actual character here, I guess. Um, I really, I really enjoyed his character growth. Like, from wanting to get away from the toy box, you know, wanting freedom in space and really not giving a shit about anything other than that uh, for like pretty much the first almost the first half of the story um mm -hmm. go, going from that to wanting to return to the ds12 and realizing that earth is just too important to him and that he can't stop loving people i thought it was a brilliant journey that he went through from something to another thing that's almost the complete opposite of what he started out as um but it made sense. I, I thought it was very, very well done. Yeah, I think it's a very an interesting choice. They literally had him fall in love with love. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Oh, it is. And I think all of us can just a little bit understand the feeling of being obsessed with a dream. True. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there, there is that bit, that obsession that you know, I, I have to put all my work into this one thing. You know, I, I'm alone in this. Only I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And sometimes we can get, we can get caught up in that and, and lose sight of things and realize we don't have to do it alone. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I like his journey and his, his character development, or at least how he gets there, or, or not how, but where he ends up. Like, he ends up in a very good place. The how, sometimes I was kind of like, shaking my head rereading Tim's thing it's like what in the world is going on yeah there were definitely a couple points where i had to question how a character came to a certain decision yeah yeah i agree i agree and and some and some of it was just really trippy stuff like the cat and <laughs> him talking to himself i mean like talking to himself is fine but also but then the, he like his body decays or whatnot it, it almost felt like it was just being a little too artistic and too philosophical for it to truly make sense but that but that's fine because you know it I, I do feel like it still works it's just it was a little strange especially especially the cat <laughs> I, yeah, I do cat agree. what is that <laughs> there are parts in that cat scene where i just didn't even know like who was talking when yeah is this line coming from hachi is it coming from the cat i don't know <laughs> I, I, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm kind of glad to hear that you guys were also a bit confused. <laughs> it's not just me that's dumb. <laughs> because I got a little bit worried when I read it. I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's not just me. 
Yeah, you can definitely tell this is a lot earlier in his career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he yeah. has like all these great ideas and mm-hmm. he has he has really nice how should I say moments or or times where characters think about their current situations and he's really mm-hmm. able to expound on that. But sometimes at least in in this story it feels like sometimes his connections to the lessons that they learned is a little hard to for, for the reader to follow at least that's how i how i felt like i think yeah i think yeah, that's definitely accurate. now i will say that there were some moments in hachimaki's kind of uh journey his character journey that i really liked for example when he was um on the the jupiter project you know, going on that mission he had that moment where he kind of had like the his i guess a spiritual moment while by himself but then but that really kind of took it out of him where he he realized how alone he was in space mm. um but then eventually he, he he woke up to that and with help from sally um i think that was a, a very impactful moment and he realized how much he loved tanabe and i, I like that yeah uh, though speaking about that that instance mm-hmm isn't it a bit strange that he survived for a whole week, even though he only had food and air for two days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but like, for sure. he didn't even eat the food that he had for the two days. Did like, he not? No. If you look uh, at the parts uh, where Tanabe shows up to get him, he literally says, "You just left, didn't you?" True. Like he'd just been passed out that entire week. Fair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's so strange. You you cannot live without water for that long. Like, definitely not. No. No. Like, I mean, it's, def- it's definitely one of those, okay, that's Cap moments, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. God was with him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking that maybe if he was just, like, breathing and eating very moderately and like very slowly like maybe he could make it last or something but maybe that's a stretch i mean he could definitely survive without the food for that long yeah and right. yeah if he was passed out then he probably wouldn't be using as much air the only question then would be the water true precisely and they never specified the water like they only said they ha- he has air and food for two days they i don't think they said anything about the water hmm. well i wasn't gonna say this but i but the, my first thought was actually is like, how did he use the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even if he was just out there for two days. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. But goodness. I mean, and that part is more so he was like slipping into the madness, if you will. You know, the, yeah. he's lost and really lost in thought. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, where he ends up and, and how uh, he gets there after you know, kind of being snapped into it by Sally, I, I think it, it was a, a, a nice change. And then him going back to Earth, going to see Tanabe and just their moment together. I, I don't know. I, I really liked that that moment for him. And I thought it was well done by Yukimura in, in showing us that. Yes, it was beautiful. Absolutely. But going back a little bit, there were some other moments earlier on that I also... Um... Or that that got me thinking, and that that I appreciate for various reasons. For example, the reason why he started to really kind of isolate himself emotionally from from everyone. Um, mm. I m- m- maybe it was obvious, and m- maybe everyone has the same idea here. But I, I guess I just wanted to to I guess suggest my my idea as to why he did that um, was that I, I was thinking that he like as as a def- defense mechanism in a way. He wanted to kind of get used to the isolation 
in case he would ever get isolated or kind of lost in space again, then he would mm. be prepared mm-hmm. uh, for that. Obviously, it's I think it's really sad kind of to just kind of push mm-hmm. everybody away just on the off chance that you would in the future find yourself in that situation again. But at the same time, I can understand. I can understand it still. I think it makes sense uh, because it was such a big, terrifying thing for him that he, he wouldn't want to be in that situation again, especially not unprepared, kind of. So I think it makes sense. But it's, yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. For me, I would probably point that towards actually his meeting with uh, probably the first minor character we're going to talk about of Harry Rowland, um, the uh, older astronaut. Right. Because if you look at the first couple of chapters, Hachi seems to be a lot more full of life. You know, he's making fun of Yuri in chapter one. True. Um, but it's only after a couple of chapters that he really starts to go down that path. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Harry, very much as a character who did give everything to space to the point where he committed suicide on the lunar surface rather than being forced to go back to Earth. Mm. I'm really glad you brought him up because I almost felt like I wasn't, but now, now I, the blame doesn't have to go to me. No, I, <laughs> I, I agree that he actually acts as almost, you know, an example of what was going to happen to Hachimaki if he kept going this right or if he well kept maybe not the right word but if he followed in the way of space and Mm. being alone from that point on he could have ended up like this man as well true yeah yeah for sure yeah and it's funny like i think there were several characters that kind of served a little bit of that purpose throughout the story Mm -hmm. like in in different ways Mm -hmm. uh he was definitely like the first one but i thought uh leonov was a little bit like that and uh well locksmith to a degree as well mm. yeah he's not quite as far gone as the others but i also put goro his father up there as uh, well oh yeah true true yeah, yeah goro's an interesting case yeah just just because you know he's been in space for so long and yet he still seems somewhat grounded to to earth and his family mm. um especially after that chapter you get with the backstory of how um hachiroto was first born yeah mm-hmm. and everything like that i mean i think that kind of put him into perspective for me a little bit and to show that you know maybe he kind of had a same epiphany type journey that his son did although they're definitely two different personalities uh, <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah yeah but yeah I, I i see i do see what you're saying though like there is a bit of that lost in space kind of a thing mm, true yeah definitely then there was hachi's or at least what i would call hachi's turning point uh when he ultimately didn't shoot hakimu uh, or Hakim, I feel like it should be Hakim, but in the book it's written as Hakimu. Yeah. But I feel like that's like a Japaneseification of Hakim. Yeah, I think it, so. Yeah, that could be it. I believe. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, um, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page now, and it just lists him on there as Hakim. Oh, it does. Okay. I know this Wikipedia huh. page is mostly based on the anime, so. Ah. Regardless, I feel like Hakim makes kind of makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I guess I guess we can call him Hakim, <laughs> but anyway, uh, about what I was saying, uh, Haji's what would I would like to call his his turning point when he didn't shoot Hakim, thanks to Ice, well, Ice embrace of him in that moment, it, it was like kind of the moment when Hachi was either going to kind of become far worse than he already was if he had shot him, or what it became, which I think was the start of his redemption, for sure. So I think it's such. A uh, good and important scene, and I I, I don't know I thought it was ex- excellently uh, pulled off. You know, 
I I kind of disagree with calling it the start of redemption. Okay. Not to say it's an important point in his life. I think it, it could have led to something much darker and obviously maybe something he wouldn't be able to turn back from, although that's debatable. But mm-hmm. I think that that's just one moment, one instance in the life, or at least it gives him an understanding that maybe I do have feelings for this girl or um, maybe I don't have to do things alone, which is if he had take that shot, it would be him taking the world alone, like you know, taking action by himself instead of relying on others. But that's not the only choice he has, and, and really maybe not even the biggest uh, choice that comes his way uh, throughout his journey. And I think there's just like multiple points where you can, you can say, hey, that's a huge turning point for him, and he becomes a totally different person after that, that turning point is done. Because he's more or less he's more or less the same person after this instance. He just has he's just much more in thought about Tanabe than he was before. Uh, right, um, but he's also, um, or at least I believe it's the chapter after this when he carries Leonov uh, across the moon surface. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe honestly that probably was more impactful than the shot uh, or that, um, eh, they're both impactful. in a different way but I, I agree it's also a very big thing um but i was going to say that i think at the end of that chapter when i comes to well on the spaceship to rescue them hachi yeah he is initially kind of upset and like he doesn't want her help and kind of the way he had been prior to everything or all, all of that mm-hmm. however he does ultimately give in and ask for her to save leonov so mm-hmm. I do still think that her intervention in the previous scene had affected him. I, or at least that's, that's how I'm choosing to, to, to view it. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't affect him, but was it the biggest, was the big turning point, you know, where you start his redemption? I mean, honestly, I think the entire second half of this story could be called the turning point because there are so many points. But yeah, I am definitely with Petter in saying, though, that this is the beginning of the turning point. This is the point where he stops going down and starts to slowly tilt back upwards. Right. Uh, I, I do think I, so. I, I, I don't agree with that because <laughs> the, he has lower moments like 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 that exact scene with I can't remember the, the U- Ukraine guy's name. Uh, Leonov. I think it's Leonov, uh, I, I believe. Leonov. Yeah, yeah. You were saying it, but I, I could. <laughs> Leonov, um, that I, I think that was a, a lower point for him. And then when he, for example, when he's lost in the in in space, in, just in the in, in the grand cosmos of it all, and how insignificant he is, that's that's probably his lowest point. I'd argue. Mm. I mean, I, I I see your points, but I, yeah, maybe we'll have to agree to disagree. That's fine. <laughs> I, guess, I, I didn't mean I, I, I didn't I, mean I, to go I, so long. But I like that. how it is so kind of arguable, like. Different people can 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 view it in different ways. I, I do think I do think that's mm. I, I, in a way good mm-hmm. writing because it's um I think we all come from different perspectives kind of into can how how much we we value different types of challenges or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I will say that with that with that scene you bring up, it is it is the start of him thinking about Aitanabe and mm. what she means to him, and really like coming to realize that he doesn't have to face it alone. So that is that is an important moment as well. For sure. I, For sure. I will not not disagree with that. Right, right. Yeah, but but um then kind of as you alluded to earlier a little bit how there was that moment when he he just wanted to to see her. Who he wanted to just hear her voice and so so he went to mm-hmm. visit her. I thought that was such a cute 
moment from him because it was kind of the first <laughs> time we saw him well act that directly towards something like love kind of yeah um, i think even more interestingly that was the first time we saw him willingly go to earth all the other times he'd done it it had been very like he didn't want to go back for his healing process in the first part of the book right he didn't seem very happy to go back to see his family on his time off but he chose to go back for her. Yes. Oh, yes. That is beautiful. <laughs> and the moment when, when you know, later on, I believe in the same chapter when he went there, um, when they were uh, walking away from, from her parents' place, the moment when Hachi hugged Ai after he gave her back her will, I think is possibly my favorite scene in the entire manga. Not only is it him returning the hug that she gave him earlier in the story, but it also, again, just all of the emotions kind of just laid bare, as well as mm. this understanding between these two characters. Um, it, it made me cry when I read it, and I think it's just, I, I thought it was an incredibly powerful scene. It certainly was. Yeah, for sure. I just love how happy and content he seems when he does come back and they kind of just confess their feelings for each other. There really isn't like a, a, a real confession they just kind of they they really both say the, the moon looks delicious yeah, oh <laughs> yeah that was like well i guess we better get married I love that. <laughs> <laughs> which i didn't think about till now there's an old japanese saying where the the moon is pretty is basically saying i love you oh really um, it's oh. like a it's like the poetic way of saying of Jap the japanese say it's because some writer said it oh this is how japanese are <laughs> i'm sure he was trying to be artistic and but anyway um yeah so maybe that maybe there was a reference to you know that that phrase maybe mm. i like that i believe hachi had kind of really gone he, he had gone through most of his character growth before they departed for jupiter i believe yeah however i don't think it was until after he kind of got on the ship to jupiter and until after that journey started and he got all that downtime that he told us about or that, that we got to see a bit of as well. It wasn't until then that he fully got to understand his own emotions about it, I think. And right. kind of the importance. Like, he, that, that was when he understood, I, I think, the importance of his loved ones. Uh, like, completely. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. that was really necessary as well. Even though, yeah, as I said, I, I think he had already kind of made the growth. For him to also kind of analyze himself and understand himself. I think that was also crucial, and so in a way, it, it in a way, it's good that he did get to to go on this seven year trip <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and you know, like before he even went on that seven year trip, that's when he went back and all and all the things we just discussed and how he marries Tanabe and, and everything. That's how that all happens. So during his voyage, he's married. He has all this knowledge. He has time to think about that. And that's where he gives like his final kind of last words, or not last words, his first words on in Jupiter. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And I and I think it it was a nice culmination of his character journey and what he's learned. And as you said at the beginning of the discussion, I love to love people. Or well, actually, no, that was not right. What was it? What was it again? He can't stop loving people. Yeah, he can't stop loving people. That mm -hmm. that's what it was. Mm. So I, I think it's a beautiful bow to put on his philosophy journey definitely yeah definitely yeah it's like I, I thought it was kind of funny and and beautiful how 
like because initially the captain of the spaceship he you know he wanted to 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 write a speech about something that everyone can appreciate and understand and all of that and for that to be the first words spoken from jupiter but he struggled coming coming up with anything so hachi got the honors to to do the whole thing and and he spoke about love genius like i, I don't think there's many <laughs> things that are more universal than love and mm. so i thought i i don't know I, I thought that speech was beautiful and it was a phenomenal way to end the manga yeah it was do we got anything else on hachi or anyone of the smaller ones related to him uh just about his proposal to i is that they they proposed with Shiritori. Like <laughs> I think that's so funny. I've never I don't know I don't know if that's a a thing that's been done before. Maybe it has. But I think I think it's brilliant. Like it was very cute. As they they explain the game in 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 the manga. So mm-hmm. if you don't know, you, you look it up. But it it's just it's a game that I played before. But it's just like using it in that context is is kind of kind of kind of brilliant and cute and also. <laughs> normal like like it's not like this grand event where fireworks are going off and mm. you know there's music playing it's just they're just <laughs> playing a simple game and he just like boom marry me yes like, uh, <laughs> like it, it's great it is it is yeah and he won the game <laughs> exactly the game, yeah. <laughs> boom <laughs> man you suck at this <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same sound at all oh oh they're so adorable they are my heart i'm gonna be honest like i did not like their chemistry at first yeah (laughs) i i was like what what does she see in this man Mm -hmm. especially when she was the one that kissed him and and that thing i i I will talk a little bit about that later actually when we talk about her i have some things to to say about this That's fine. I got I got ahead of myself. I'm no, sorry. It's all good. But but, but 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 I do agree that I also felt a bit kind of weirded out by it at first. But yes, uh, we'll we'll come back to this. <laughs> so we kind of talked a little bit about this earlier. Mm-hmm. But over the course of the story, Hachi had multiple weird like visions or uh I don't know remember the word I'm looking for is Allu- uh, not illusions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which of those do you guys think was the most effective to you? Since we talked a little bit earlier about how a lot of those are really weird and don't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense, are there any that really did hit you? Ooh. Well, I think in general, I believe, or I thought that his interactions with his, well, with himself, like with the reflection of himself or whatever uh, in the spacesuit, I think those to me made more sense than his interactions with the cat. Definitely, definitely. And you can kind of interpret those as him literally just kind of thinking to himself mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. kind of pondering different angles or whatever. Like, I think it could be interpreted that way. So I, I don't think those were too, I guess, uh, cryptic. Yeah, the last one was a little weird. I feel like that was a weird time for the astronaut self to disappear. That's fair. Yeah, that, that one's fair, yeah. But outside that, I would agree. The early ones where he's talking to his astronaut self were the most effective for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, the cat design was very good. <laughs> it is. You know, I, I kind of have a hot take on this. Uh-huh. While I was more, you know, confused with the cat, I think it left more to impact for me than him talking to himself. Because not only did it get me thinking, but I, I think it just left 
Hachimaki in a better place, like mentally, and mm. like you know, he was more satisfied with his his answer and his way of thinking, and it it, it just get a bit of con- a conclusion to that growth for him. But do I think it was, you know, perfectly done or clearly done? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I, I think for me it was that was the most it was the most impactful though, if if that makes any sense. It does. I think it does. Yeah, and kind of on the topic of the cat one. I was going in, I was really surprised with how much, like, overt spiritualism was in this book. Ah, yeah. I was expecting a lot of the social commentary, I was expecting a lot of the character work, but all the discussion of, like, is God in space? Right. And, like, the cat pretty much being, like, a manifestation of the universe in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That really, sh- like, surprised me and sometimes felt a little out of place. That's <laughs> fair. I... I don't know for sure about Yukimura's uh, religious uh, beliefs. However, I'm pretty sure he said he was either agnostic or atheist, but that's just based on okay. the Vinland Saga. Gotcha. Maybe, yeah, I, I've forgotten about that in that case. However, I was going to say that it wouldn't surprise me if he is Christian because both this one and Vinland Saga, I feel, deal with Christian themes in ways that are pretty obvious. Uh, obviously, there are characters that kind of kind of, I guess, take the opposite side of Christianity in both stories, but ultimately I feel like the Christian uh, messages are generally angled in a positive way in both this one and Vinland Saga. Yeah, Planets definitely convinced me that Yukimura was a Christian. It seems that way, although I couldn't say for sure. Well, while I do agree that he, or, or agree, I, 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 he did say he was fascinated by Christian beliefs and he has studied on them. I'm pretty sure in in one of the Vinland Saga uh, afterwards, he was just kind of talking about himself. Mm. He mentioned that he he wasn't a Christian. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. You you you. I'll you're go probably... back and double check. But fair, fair. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't remember it. But I I mean, there's a lot of those little afterwards that he's done, so I don't remember all of them. <laughs> but mm. it, it, without a doubt, he has. He's very fascinated with the the, the Christian mindset and mm. has use it in uh multiple well in both of the both of the stories yes uh so speaking about some of his family members yeah i actually really liked his younger brother oh yeah kyutaro and honest at the beginning of the story because i i didn't actually didn't really like hachimaki at the beginning too much um that's fair (laughs) because it was just it was just it was still starting out and he was very (laughs) selfish i guess you could say yeah, I mean, he isn't easy to like, I think, in the early, like, almost the yeah. first half of the story, almost. I, I agree. I felt like Kyutaro would have been a better, a better MC at that <laughs> point. I was like, I want to see this kid build rockets and go into space and, <laughs> you know, everything. Just grow up. Um, yeah, we do get to see him literally grow up over the course of the story. It's true, we do. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> and I like, I like how when he sees his brother and I just like holding hands. He's like, man, what is love? Like, True. you know, <laughs> the psych, the cycle continues. Like, kind, of, kind of a thing. Yeah. I did like that. <laughs> but not, you know, if, if there was ever like a, an alternate universe where Q was the main character, I think that would have been great. <laughs> or, you know, if he would ever to go back to the story, I think. Right. Q is primed to be an MC. Yeah. For a new story. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do either of you have any notes on Nono? 
yeah, I don't really have much on her because at the end of the day, she felt a little out of place within his arc a little bit to me. I agree with that, actually. Her inclusion didn't make a lot of sense. Right, yeah. Like, I didn't take any notes for her myself, although I, she still, she, she did still have a whole chapter kind of dedicated to her, so I, that, that's why I wanted to ask if you, either of you had anything to say. She did, but I feel like that's outside his character and more so just complete world building. True, true. It was interesting, that this whole thing about how people who have just grown up on the moon become taller because of the gravity. I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree with it feeling uh, kind of an aside almost. It, it almost feels like the first couple chapters were a pilot for <laughs> his manga. I didn't, it maybe didn't really know where he was going to go with everything exactly. Right. And what characters would be key. But I, I like Nono because she, one, she helps with world building, but also how it kind of gives the, it gives the idea of, Home is where you where you make it, where you, where basically where you grow up. Mm, precisely. And her ocean was the, the, I guess the fields of moon. You know, mm-hmm. like it, mm. it. It was kind of a, a special, uh, moment for for me when I read that. It was beautiful. But that's still. about it. Yeah. 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 I agree. I I forget. Were we saying that? Goro was separate. Uh, no. Uh, no, Goro's hit we're, part of this. We're we're putting him. Okay, into we can this. definitely talk about him. He was probably my favorite character in this entire manga. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. It's just, it's a very nice archetype that I tend to love. Mm. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, and, and like I said earlier with his, you know, back to his time waiting for his son to be born, it, it really gives you a, another layer to his character, what he was like as a, you know, recent husband soon to be dad um he was almost like a kind of a, a different personality oh yeah completely in a way <laughs> yeah. but i don't know i i like the two sides of him and yeah i mean he does seem rather immature at the beginning of the story when he first comes in but you know as the chapters go by you see that he is i mean yeah he's still somewhat immature in <laughs> but i mean he's kind of he kind of deserve he kind of deserves it after uh you know being the experienced astronaut he is but yeah you, you see his experience you see how he is an actual father to um hachimaki and yeah i just i appreciate that yeah i think we kind of see him go through a parallel arc to hachi over the course of this series where at the beginning he seems almost completely disconnected from his family where like hachi hadn't mm. seen the man in like five years right mm-hmm. but by the end of the story you know the two of them are flying a ship together mm. and it really feels like they have built that bond that they were lacking over the course of their life true that's a good point yeah i really like that and actually he was it looked like considering retiring there for a little bit but yeah i don't know about you guys but i read that the reason he decided not to was because hachi wanted to be on that ship and he wanted to be there with him oh, oh interesting i like that interpretation. I didn't even think about that. I just, I just took him for his, for his word, uh, as <laughs> you know, as just well, which I, I still think there is some truth to it, though. How mm-hmm. he, um, even though I, I'm sure he, he doesn't agree with everything that Locksmith does, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but he still does have a level of respect for him because he, he, he knows that men like him will get things done, kind of. Um, yeah, I, I do still think that's true, but I love your interpretation as well, and I, I can definitely see that as like a, an additional kind of contributing factor to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to bring up around Hachi. How about you two? Me neither. I think I'm good. Cool. Cool. Then let's talk about Aitanaben next. Or I should say Mrs. Hoshino. Uh, that's the, <laughs> yes, that's how she right. wishes to be addressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Although... Even after that chapter, <laughs> no one ever calls her Mrs. Hoshino. I, keep yeah. calling her Tanaka. I know. Oh, I, I think Baron does, but that's it. I, yeah, he does. He does. He call her like I know there was that one time on the bench, but that was still in that chapter. True. Like I, I don't know if any if we see or I don't know if he ever addresses her outright after that. So, but but I guess we can assume that he continues to call her that. True. But, Very true. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was kind of funny how. I, it seemed like she just kind of gave, gave in to everybody calling her Tanabe <laughs> eventually because she yeah. doesn't correct them or anything uh, by the end of the story <laughs> anymore. She's just accepted that she will be forever Tanabe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I, I like to refer to her as I because that's that's never incorrect, I suppose. Um, yeah, and for those of you who aren't aware, we kind of referenced it earlier, but I is the Japanese word for love. Yeah. And that very much mm-hmm. is... An encapsulation of her character. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's almost a little bit too on the nose, but I, I can't complain. I guess I, that's what I was thinking, Pedro. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but it's fine. It's whatever. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's good. Um, so yeah, so she was abandoned by a biological parents or mother or whatever as a baby, and but luckily, how she got to grow up with um, two good parents anyway. And mm-hmm. we learn in the very first chapter where she appears that she's uh she is a slow learner um and that seems to apply to not just space stuff because she also started speaking very late compared to other kids however i don't think that just because she is a slow learner she is like she she performs her tasks poorly i i don't think that's the case at all i ju- i just think it's the initial learning curve i guess that that takes i guess longer than most people but she she can still, once she does learn, she is just as capable as, as anybody else, is my thinking. Because, I mean, she's perfectly good at speaking. Yeah, and by the end of the story, she definitely seems to be, you know, no longer the new person on the ship. Definitely, yeah. absolutely. She very much has gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I absolutely love her strong sense of justice. Uh, like, that was made very clear from the first chapter with the, the coffin in space, and it was obviously a big part of her character throughout the story, and... That, that that's one of her traits that i absolutely adore mm-hmm. yeah very very opinionated and strong sense of justice it's kind of a, a stark contrast from um hachimaki who who is opinionated but in the opposite direction at that point you know mm. very much all about himself yeah i will say there is definitely times where to me i seems less like a character and more like a vehicle for hachi's character arc yeah Especially the beginning of the story. Yeah, I, I do agree partially. There are times she does get to shine on her own, but for a lot of the story. True, true. I, I would kind of say that she, in a way, I, I at least I would argue that she is the heart of the story. Because without her, Hachi wouldn't have had the growth that he had. And I also think she had a big positive influence on Fee. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think just in general, a lot of the positive things that came in the story really came thanks to her being there and i don't think any other character could have really made those things happen the way she did that's definitely true going back to her origins it hmm? it, it all seems very mysterious like yeah it, it's implied that she was a bad one, but then there's that black cat and the black cat is just around for a while hmm. 
and it doesn't act like a, a typical like for example the cat that she took into space with her or you know took onto their their ship that acted like a normal cat in space which was really adorable but you know <laughs> it acted like a cat it was peeing on the toilet though which i guess is possible for cats but it's all it's a bit unusual it is it also used its tail to flush which is <laughs> <laughs> that's which not is how that works like, how does that I don't work? think they can do that, but um, uh, anyway, hmm. the cat that that was near her when she was left on the on the porch, it almost acted like otherworldly or. Yeah, and I think it's very telling that the chapter where we get that backstory and we see that cat is immediately after we get Hachi's spirit journey with the god cat. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that, exactly. Right, right. Exactly. So that's what I'm thinking is. Well, I'm not saying that she like the god cat placed her there or whatever, but maybe there was some sort of some sort of connection, divine intervention, if you will. I definitely think so, because there's points yeah. where people ask her, like, why she wanted to go to space. And she doesn't really have much of a clear answer for that. It seems almost more too. like uh, instinct than anything. True. Right. She just knows that she or once she has been up there for a while, she just knows that she she feels at home there. But she, yeah, you're yeah. right. She doesn't really know why or, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah, it it is very mysterious. And I almost felt like it, it would have been a nice plot point to explore even more. Um, but I guess at the same time, it is nice to leave it just up to interpretation. Yeah. And it's not like, it wasn't a huge part of the overall story either, per se. Um, but it would have given her character even even more to go off of. So That's I would have been against would have been against that. True, true. I, I wouldn't have complained either, really. Uh, one thing I kind of thought about a little bit when trying to make sense of No No in the story is wondering if, like, maybe there was a point in time where they were considering making I like an early Lunarian or something. Mm. That would have kind of tied back to her initial connection to space and give yeah. a little bit more to No No, but oh. obviously that never ended up happening. I agree. I think that would have been an interesting way to connect her and it would have given reason to bring up the whole lunarian thing to start off with exactly but um as we were touching on earlier a little bit about we i think we all at least to some extent found or at least as well at least initially found it a little strange how she or kind of why she kissed and embraced uh hachi in that moment when she did mm -hmm. and um kind of why like what what did she see in him like what what was the appeal kind of in his character for her yeah and at least for me that was definitely a bit shocking at first um yeah same. and confusing kind of um since you know he had made it pretty clear that he didn't really care about anything other than space yeah and he had even been i mean they they were pretty much constantly fighting like it wasn't very good between them really mm -hmm. but they did have at least one nice moment in the first chapter where she appeared when oh when she puked on him yeah that was pretty that was pretty that nice. was <laughs> really close <laughs> the, bring that, them together how did you know that's what i was gonna bring up uh <laughs> I, I can read your mind no but uh that's uh lo and behold not what i was actually gonna bring up uh the after um she puked in his face which i'm i'm, I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't actually get to see it but whatever I just want to see puke in zero gravity. 
Okay. Uh, anyway. I think we're fine. I think we're perfectly fine. Uptick, I know. So, you know, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, we had that, like, one shot of coffee in space, and I think that's all we that's, need of liquids. Yep, I think we understand that's it. That's good. That's good. I got the concept. That's fair. Anyway, back to my points. So, uh, after the puking, um, when he came into her room when she was resting... He told her this whole thing about that anyone can accomplish anything as long as they have, I guess, well, the right motivation for it. Mm -hmm. I think that line spoke to I, uh, at least based on the the way I interpreted her kind of face reaction after he told her that. Uh, so I, I think that was a, a, a nice little moment, very small moment, of course. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's enough for her to like have feelings for him or anything like that. However, there's also the fact that feelings like these are hard to control and maybe even hard to explain a lot of the time. So there is that, I guess, factor as well to take into consideration that we can't always understand or explain these types of feelings or emotions. That is true. So with that all said, I, I, I'm just saying that I guess... Um, I, I can buy it. I, I can buy her emotions there. Yeah, I didn't really understand their uh, their chemistry before, like that first hug and all that. But once they actually started having a relationship, the mm. chemistry was definitely there. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, uh, I do think that the kiss part was almost unwarranted. I mean, it, it was it was a bold choice, and it certainly stopped Hachimaki from pulling the trigger. But I don't know. For for her to like do that and basically confess your feelings in that way, it just didn't feel like it it made sense. But from that point on, like clearly, like you know, they they grow and the relationship you know turns into something. And and I guess you could even argue that maybe that wasn't necessarily her expressing her 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 feelings or or confessing because. You know, after that point, it's not like they're suddenly dating, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it does still seem like a sudden and, and maybe not warranted uh, act. But I, I guess it did get the get him to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that, that, that's true. Like, it could have just been something kind of she did in the spirit of the moment without there being any feelings involved. It's possible. Yeah. I I guess there was a bit of maybe sexual tension between the two i i mean it happens like you know chase you 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 know fire emblem i do three houses i do you know there's there's these two characters that i mean you know typical anime trope that they they pretty much don't see eye to eye with each other but but i feel like people will still ship them you know what i mean and and (laughs) see say that now that's a good couple (laughs) and even in their supports like they have a whole thing where you know you maybe you're not too bad or or something you know basically uh, it could be implied I see. They could... you're a sylvain fan yeah <laughs> well you know actually i ship sylvain with uh, mercedes but that's neither okay. here nor there um... <laughs> conversation for a different day <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but my my point is that, that, that there is that kind of sexual tension that can happen in real life and also maybe in the story where these two characters who seem like they don't or they, they, they bash heads deep down can actually hold feelings for each other for sure. Yeah, I can definitely tell even from their first chapter, like I didn't understand that tension immediately, 
But uh-huh. I did know, yeah, okay, this is what they're doing. This is the love interest for Hachi. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. It, right, it seemed, right. yeah, fairly obvious. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry for that tangent, but that was just a thought that I had about their whole relationship, especially right. uh, after that kiss, you know. Mm-mm. It's like, wow, pent up something in there. That's definitely fair. Uh, but... I did make friends with, uh, and not I, and as in me, uh, but I, <laughs> it, it, it gets confusing. We, we run into this problem also in when we talk about the Kaguya-sama volumes, because there's a character called I, and there's another character called you, and it's just a bit <laughs> oh. of a mess. <laughs> anyway, I, Hoshino, did make friends with this guy called the Baron. Yes. A, a man who claims that he's an alien, and... He's trying to make 100 friends, which, by the way, reminded me a lot of, or I guess it should be the other way around, but uh, Komi Can't Communicate kind of has that premise, because the main, main, oh, yeah, main that, character in that one is to make This was the inspiration. Th- th- this definitely may have been the inspiration for that, I, I imagine. However, I, would, I want to ask you guys, do you think the Baron is truthful in everything he's saying, or do you think he's making it all up? Mm. I don't think it's real. I think that literally everything that he says is some kind of trope for, you know, alien stuff in movies or in mm. books or whatever. He didn't bring anything new to the table, mm-hmm. which makes True. me think that it's an illusion or a lie or something. Mm-hmm. It it could be the mad rabblings of a sick man, maybe. But you know what? Part of me, and maybe this is just the wanting there to be (laughs) (laughs) something out there part of me is like we have this godlike cat that is maybe just more like a figment of their imaginations their personification if you will of a godlike creature Mm. of the universe it makes well if that can exist then maybe this guy could also be like that but i mean it's at the same time it is really far-fetched and I really don't know <laughs> for definitive if it's true or not. But Of course, of course. I guess we can't know for sure either way. But, but, but uh, James, uh, just so I understand you correctly, are you more so leaning that he is truthful? <laughs> I mean, do I have to give like a straight answer? It's, uh, fun, it's more fun that way. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, I, I think, yeah, like that's, that's what I was thinking. Nice, nice. Um, that, it, that there is some truth to that but i'm not i'm not solid on it i definitely want it to be real right i think i think it's more so my want coming in than anything nice but i also think it's it shows i's character in that she's willing to listen to someone who has strong feelings about this right she's willing to see beyond the strangeness of it all exactly um and kind of take his word for truth mm. Right, yeah, like maybe some people would call her gullible. Um, you can also view, or at least, well, I, I will say first off, I'm choosing not to believe him. Or, or non-believers, shun uh, yeah. <laughs> However, uh, in spite of that, I still think it's incredibly sweet uh, how how just how welcoming and kind of inviting I is of him, and just really trying to well involve him in in everything that's going on there and you know becoming friends with him and all that and trying to help him out the way she does i i love that uh, and i love seeing that um and i don't i i don't think that he is like malicious 
or anything like that. No. Um, however, that I, I still probably do not think that he's truthful in, in but for whatever reason, he's, he's, uh, the, the things that he's saying about being an alien is not true, somehow. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Whatever's going on back there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, sure he, I'm sure he believes it to his very, to the very bones. That I can agree case. with that. That's definitely. Um, I don't think he's just yeah. making it up to, for whatever reason. I mean, uh, it could also maybe there's some. He tra- maybe has some trauma or whatever, but I, I don't mm. think. I think that's missing the point of his his character, in a way. Mm. But uh, I also, you know, Roxy. You know that she has very little to say, but I mean, hey, she's interested. I mean, did you see that four panel? Cu- yes. The four yeah. panel thing where they like brush his hair down. <laughs> Once he got the makeover. I, she, I don't yeah. get what people have against pompadours. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they're just not ready. They're, they're not ready. Right. Yeah. Just wait a couple of years. <laughs> Anything else uh, related to I? I really just like the random fact that her dad is like a former death metal <laughs> singer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like that comes out of nowhere. It doesn't matter to do with anything. It's just a cool little fact. Right. Yeah. I love that. There were like at least like two full pages just kind of dedicated to his backstory or something. But yeah, as he yeah. said, it had no bearing on the story. <laughs> really. It was like the most angry possible lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny, honestly. So next up, let's talk about Fee Carmichael, the captain of the DS12. I really like how strict she is. Like uh, that, that, that side of her, I think it's very fun to see. And I, I think she's usually, obviously not all the time. Sometimes she's unreasonable, but a lot of, like usually I, I believe she, she's um, kind of strict but fair. And I, I really like mm-hmm. characters like that. Um, well, at the same time, she has this quite rebellious side at, at some other times. And I think kind of, the discipline that her mother taught her is definitely clearly there. Mm. But I think her son and also I, those two characters kind of from different angles kind of helped Fee recall her childhood and helped her question things that, that, that she had probably stopped doing because she had grown older and just kind of accepted things the way she did as she, as she was explaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I like those contrasting kind of sides of her personality, and it never it, it never feels unnatural. Like she, yes, they are contrasting, and there's like yeah, they're quite different sides. But it really just makes her feel like a real person. I I think. Yeah, she really does, and I think she's just yeah, really fun as a boss character. Absolutely. Even though she <laughs> takes forever to finally get her time in the sun. Yes, that, exactly. It was kind of strange how she didn't really get to shine until kind of the last fourth of the of the series. Yeah, there's that one point in volume three where just like she and Yuri show up yeah. and they're just like, yeah, we don't even show up very much in this volume. It's like <laughs> all they say. Exactly. It's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, she, she did have like the like chapter, like uh, one early chapter she, she did have where she got to be a hero. So there was that, mm-hmm. yeah. but besides that, yeah, there wasn't much until kind of near the end there, where she had several chapters to shine. Yeah, which I guess that entire arc just wasn't put into the anime. So if you've only seen the anime, ah, really, go and read Volume 4. Volume 4 wasn't put in the anime whatsoever. Dang, what? How dare? Oh my god! I know, right? The, the whole scene where 
she goes up against the the U.S. government. Like that's not <laughs> that's not there. Um. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page now, and it's just like, yeah, Volume Four characters only appear in the manga, although some have minor cameos in the anime. Huh. Interesting. Well, the manga, or at least in some of the panels or the the joke panels. It did mention a character that only appeared in the anime. So right. I guess, <laughs> oh, I didn't pick up on that. The, the anime may have gone in a quite a different direction in some cases. Right, yeah, maybe there was a unique, like an anime unique ending somehow. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking here and there's like five different characters that were only in the anime. I guess, I guess we'll have to watch the anime at some point. Yeah, get a yeah, different, probably. different take, see if it yeah. uh, matches up. But yeah. in ter- with, with uh, Fee, I, I think... What I like really like about her and you guys were mentioning is yes, she kind of does take the the leader role, but also she challenges the uh, authority in a way that I appreciate. It's not so much that, you know, she's trying to hurt people or anything like that, but but more so she stands up for what she believes is right mm-hmm. and just doesn't really doesn't really take much crap from anybody. Although I will say that her being a heavy smoker, while it is funny, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, no offense, to people who smoke. It's just. I mean, it is also framed as something bad. So I like. I do think this. Yeah. Like, like even you can tell a little bit that Fee herself is a little bit ashamed of being a smoker. I don't, I don't know about ashamed. She seemed, <laughs> seemed pretty proud about it. <laughs> but I also feel like even though it's clearly not a like a main message of the story or anything like that, but I do still feel like a, like some side message kind of of this story is kind of anti-smoking. Yeah. Well, I don't know about anti-smoking because it's almost, it almost makes fun of people who are, who are anti-smoking. I think they definitely are trying to bring up like these anti-smoking type of messages, but just because of the way that they do bring it up kind of takes the teeth off of it. It, it, I, it, yeah. it could have been done better, I suppose. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a huge fan of the, glorification of smoking in general uh, of course and, and i i do agree with that i just don't think this was exactly glorifying it but i i, I though I, I do i do agree that it could have been handled better there's a whole panel where they they give tanabe a, a smoke give give her a chance to smoke and they, they remember that as a good time it's like no okay like, okay that's a fair point do that. <laughs> that's a fair point i mean look people can do what they want i get it <laughs> but i also don't want to I also don't want to promote. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm being a maybe I'm being a no, bigot. I you know, I'm clutching my pearls or something. No, I, I mean, it I is, agree with you. You sh- one shouldn't smoke. Like it's bad. It's bad for you. It, it is legitimately. You shouldn't smoke. But yeah, but it's yeah, whatever. But anyway, it, <laughs> but I think someone said it, it's it's a minor thing, a part of her character. It's not a huge thing, but mm. it it is a thing, and I just wanted to bring that up. Definitely fair. Yeah. I will say along those lines, while I did enjoy Fee as a character, my favorite part of her was actually how she really brought in a lot of the social commentary in this book. Yes. Hmm. Like so much of it, the story is focused on Hachi and his character arc. But with Fee, we get discussions of environmentalism. Mm -hmm. We get the discussions of, you know, war and international relations. Hmm. Yeah, a lot really rides on her story. Absolutely. And I think that was one of my favorite parts of the book, personally. You know, it almost becomes a different story when it when Hachimaki is out of the picture. You know, he's <laughs> getting on his voyage, and it just kind of focuses on really on Fee and yeah, and her time as captain or whatever. Yeah, it, it does become more of a social commentary about 
war and what, but also like, you know, social injustice and, uh, standing up to maybe authority that Mm. is deemed immoral. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much, I I think my favorite kind of thing that was addressed like that through her or partially through it was addressed uh, in some other instances as well, but was kind of the, uh, well, the, the climate things like uh, natural resource uh, issues being addressed like that. I, I thought that that was probably the the specific issue, I suppose, that, that spoke to me the most. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned climate. What, was there any climate talk? It wasn't direct, but I think that's all discussion of like smoking tobacco being polluting was kind of leaning in that direction. Right. Uh... And there's also the fact that the... Um, it's mentioned that the sea levels are rising, or it, it, I think that was implied. Yeah, I think that was somewhere in the story. Yeah, I think I think in that no no chapter, mm-hmm. Hachimaki mentions that there's no beaches anymore. Right, because yeah, the yeah, sea that has sounds beaches. right. So th- there is some of that. And now that I think about it, I I when I read that, I thought, oh, maybe because they just built so far out. <laughs> but it makes mm. more sense that the sea levels were rising. That yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the the kind of environmental commentary that I took was more so using up all our resources. And just yeah. going on to the next and using up all that. Precisely. Uh, yeah. And and I feel like that's what the terrorist organization was against. Yeah, the Space Defense League. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it does give you pause. Like, you know, where does it end? Or is it right just to keep on going like this? And I, I don't know. It, I don't think Yukimura really presents an answer. And I don't think there really is a simple answer to it to it all. It's there really isn't. I think it's very telling that the SDL never actually gets defeated in any way. They just kind of get demoralized and stop doing yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. True. Right. Or, or or they kind of temporarily go into hiding only to maybe come back uh, after the story ended. Kind of, uh, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll come back in the future in some yeah, they'll come yeah. back for Kyutaro's story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you'll get you'll get it, James. <laughs> One day. <laughs> mm, mm. I just want to briefly talk about her 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 husband and, and son. Yeah. Al, her son. Look, I understand he has a big heart and cares about these animals, but he's a little brat. Like Yeah, he is. He's nine on. years old. <laughs> I, I get it, he's nine years old, but you can't and, and part of part of it is to, I mean Yes, he's a little brat, and I said that. But actually, some of that part, some of that blame has to do with the parenting and how the father just lets him bring in the. Look, I get it. You're supposed to be, you know, the stay home parent, <laughs> and you want to make sure your son's, son's happy while the other parent is away. But you gotta lay down the law, man. You can't <laughs> yeah. do let, let him just have all these animals. It's true. I don't care if you're fighting against authority or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, it's like I definitely understand, like. I've seen this happen in real life, not with the animals per se, but like with mm. my cousin and her son, I've definitely seen <laughs> that, you know, the dad was in the army and mm-hmm. he was gone for long periods of time. Uh. And my cousin really wasn't quite as uh, strict yeah. as she could have been. And as cute as that kid is, he's a little brat. Aww. Yeah. He's got to be like six now, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh yeah yeah I mean we call military brats for a reason. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, but it but it is true. Like obviously the parents are ultimately to blame in those instances. Yeah. Um. That said though, I do think um that kind of the the bond that they have as a family, um, Fee and her husband and her son, 
by at least by the end of the the series is 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 beautiful and i think it's they have a good yeah a good a good chemistry together there yeah um what is still kind of sad though i i think is that fee and her mother don't really have any kind of good relationship uh, seemingly yeah uh so that, that that's kind of sad yeah we don't really see a lot of her mother do we uh, not too not much really I mean, we see her in the flashback a bit. Precisely. And then when she called her, uh, when, mm-hmm. you know, the whole fabricated uh, footage had been on TV, uh, she called her not because she, or at least the way I interpreted it, it wasn't because she worried about her daughter or anything like that. It was because the shame that she thought that her daughter was bringing to the family in a way, like it was embarrassing oh. for her to be her mother. Like so, so, that, that, that's how it seemed to me. And the, yeah, that's just terrible. Yeah. And that really brings up like the connections between Fee and her uncle who yeah. very much was also Aww. a uh, shame on the family. Uncle Woodhouse. Oh my gosh. His story made me so sad. Yeah. That, that one hit me. Yeah. And you know what? I, as sad as it is to say, I, I don't think that, is far from a reality to be honest like exactly i'm sure there was there was someone there could have been someone like that who you know for one reason or other maybe he had a mental disorder or social anxiety or Mm -hmm. maybe he was just different but you know because of the racial injustice of the time the prejudice like or any time kind of of, time like 30 years in the future (laughs) oh yeah good point I forget the time frame sometimes. <laughs> fair, that's fair. Yeah, the main story took place in like the mid 2070s, so Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that probably would have been a good 25-30 years before the events of the story. Mhm. Yeah. But yeah, like really society was just really working against him and I think in a different well, we we were just talking about time periods, but in 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 a different time some some time or or on a different planet, I guess. Just elsewhere somewhere not here or as Yukimura would say in Milan Saga uh, <laughs> his his skills and his way of life would would have been highly valued like he he was mm-hmm. I think he is someone mm-hmm. who under the right circumstances could have been incredibly kind of valuable to to a society but it's just that this society uh, just wasn't really working for him sadly yeah and it's really sad that Fee's mom didn't believe or have faith in her brother that you know the 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 rumors were just rumors like she was like well for all i know he could be Hmm. and i that that whole aspect was very disappointing and it's understanding why fee would have an strange relationship with her mother in that way and maybe even turn in to the rebellious but um, you know incredibly bad a woman that she is yeah do you guys like that motorcycle scene motorcycle is great yeah, that that moment. I mean, it, it was just a nice moment of reflection for her. Mm. I thought the dog barking was rather odd, like almost like terrifying. Like, <laughs> um, it, yeah. If a dog barked like that at me, I'd be oh my gosh, get back. <laughs> yeah. The way I or the first time I read it, I I just kind of yeah, I thought it was kind of weird why it would bark like that, or like I, I guess I didn't see the point in it other than being shocking, kind of. But you stop her from praying. Exactly. That, that's, praying, how I, wishing. that's how I understood it the second time around. Like, yeah, don't don't make a wish on a fake comet or a fake shooting star. Yeah. So I I, I kind of I like that actually. Doggo was a good boy though. Absolutely, mm. such a good boy. 
Roy. I I like I like how it got uh her uncle's name. Yeah. But guys, I can't believe Colonel Sanders is in this manga. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Would you like to start with fried chicken? This is the greatest <laughs> crossover of all time. Uh, Finger licking good. <laughs> oh no. Sign this treaty and we can make sure everything goes right, Miss V. <laughs> I kind of wish we got to see a little bit more of him. Like, I know he was only yeah. meant to be a one-off joke character, but <laughs> yeah. if they'd carried out, like, the war plotline a little bit longer, I think he could have been really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a plot point that would have been very interesting to follow, you know? Mm. Was he, a or how exactly was he able to convince, uh, potentially, the, you know, U.S. military to not, although I guess they did end up firing missiles anyway yeah so maybe it was all for not but still like they made the whole point about how if they ended up going back to uh like going back to dock then they would have been arrested mm. and that like he would provide them supplies and everything and then we just don't see that played out outside the fact that she gets grounded for a while that's mm -hmm. it right right yeah 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 there were uh, yeah some missed opportunities there sadly but at least he still has kentucky fried chicken <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I thought uh, I, I touched on the fra fabricated footage that he, or supposedly that that he uh, had done. Deep fake uh, technology. Yeah, yeah, it, that's like, even more terrifying than would have been back in two thousand four. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of the saddest thing about it is the fact that it's totally realistic now. <laughs> kind of. It's like, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's creepy. But do you have anything else on anything related to fee? Yeah, like w one kind of thing overall is have you noticed that all of almost all of the women in the story have relatively short hair and not just the ones <laughs> in her space like i get i get maybe having short hair in space you know the long hair would get in the way you know so they they cut their hair like i could see that that that, that seems understandable uh -huh. but even like hachimaki's mom and yeah. i think Ai's mom like she has somewhat like her hair can be long, but I think I think she had it in a ponytail most of the time. In ponytail, she right? Did, yeah. So it's like, did he not feel comfortable giving women longer hair? Like I, I don't <laughs> I mean, know. There was one point in one of the four-panel comics where he talks about how there was a character that he didn't feel confident drawing. Oh yeah. So I have to wonder right. if yeah, there is something there with his <laughs> discomfort with drawing women. <laughs> Who knows? But he, he does he does do it in in Vinland Saga. He does, yeah. Both both men and women, yeah. Yeah, both men and women. So maybe he gains confidence at one point. True. But it it is it was an interesting choice to basically everyone has just a rather short haircut at least the the women. The conclusion I wanted to draw from that was that maybe it's just Yukimura's preference. Maybe he you know that, I, that's... I jokingly wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kink shame the man. No, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> then I guess we'll move on to Yuri Malakov next. Yes, the man. The man. The man. He, yeah, he's very... I, I really like his just kind of vibes. Like his style in general is very chill. Um, For sure. But in the very first scene of the manga, Yuri said to his wife, what, are you scared to be alone? And I didn't think much of it in my first read, but on my second read... That line did make a bit of an impact to me because it made me think about well, well, Hachi's fear of being alone in space. Mm -hmm. After having, I guess, experienced that through Hachi, I can I can understand kind of the the fear of that, and uh, I, I thought I thought it was an interesting thing to have in literally the very first scene have that be brought up, even though it was just very vaguely um, 
for it to obviously become a much bigger thing for the main character later on in the story. Yeah, no, it it was a great moment. Um, I did take a little bit of like a time to think about the please save Yuri in the compass. Yeah, so did I. I was like, hmm, what is that really supposed to mean? And is that really as impactful as it could be? Yeah, I was wondering if like she, like, did she see the future and know this is going to happen? Was like pleading to space for Yuri to survive? I don't know. I don't know. It does seem out of place i honestly or i i never thought about it much other than just my initial thought being that she she was hoping to some i don't know religion or or just spiritually in some sense that uh well since she was afraid of traveling through space and she was obviously i guess if if one is that afraid then one is also maybe uh thinking of the possibilities of accidents then she wanted yuri to be safe for that reason and like not necessarily that mm. she foresaw it but just that because she was so sca- afraid of it she was cautious and she was just yeah she just wanted or she yeah just genuinely wished that he would be fine that's how i saw it anyway mm. that's fair mm-hmm. uh, i think what yuri provides to the story is almost like a benchmark for hachimaki to reach because i think the conclusions that Yuri comes to in his own life are somewhat similar to the conclusions that Hachimaki himself has to come to. Obviously, Hachi is more about um, loving people and, you know, not wanting to stop that. But I think while Yuri has let go, they both have this moment where they have existential crisis Mm -hmm. and they don't understand their place in in the universe or, you know, what is space and all that. But they kind of have the same conclusions while yuri is comes to it a little a little sooner well much sooner Mm. than hachimaki um understandably so yeah so i don't know i i felt like it was kind of a a benchmark for him yeah and to that point it is interesting that it seems like yuri almost reaches like the end of his character arc in chapter one yes yeah exactly (laughs) that is the conclusion to what seems to have been multiple years of his life Mm mm-hmm or or at least like when he's talking to Kyutaro. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that that was also a very important moment and conclusion for him. But yeah, after that he <laughs> other than just kind of support, he yeah, he doesn't really have much of a much character growth at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he he had done most of his growing yeah, pretty much right away. Which is fine. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. But but yeah. Yeah, yeah but the, I I think it's especially about kind of the revelation of kind of everything is outer space kind of or we're all in space right. kind of regardless of where we are we're in space that was definitely a thing that he and and Hachi both understood yeah uh, although on different yeah at different times and in, in different ways kind of but yeah and I think like with that idea that we're all in outer space in that we can't or I guess we can be alone but there's no need to be alone in space because we already are in space, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and I think that was maybe a message that you didn't need to learn as well. After his wife passed away, you probably felt alone. Yeah. Um, but understanding that where space really is, um, I think that helped him a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'd like to bring up regarding Yuri is I find it interesting just how varied the like backgrounds of the characters in the story are. Because in a lot of anime and manga, especially 
Like, if you go back to older times, like the 90s, almost all of your characters are Japanese. But this is a story that, even back then, before anime and manga were really such a huge hit worldwide as it is now. Mm. We had characters from Russia, from Ukraine, from the Middle East. True, mm. true. It's something that you don't really see much of, even today, honestly. It, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, mo most, most of it is pretty much only Japanese characters, which, I mean, makes sense, but, um, but yeah. And, you know, we had Fee, who was American. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I do really like that as well. And it also kind of contributes to, to the fact that this, this all is like, it, it, it takes place in space where we are, well, we, we should be kind of united, which I, I guess the story isn't com completely about that, but at least, yeah, the main characters are from all, all, all sorts of different places in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that kind of carries over to Vinland Saga in a way as well, because that's all about a, a whole different race of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it shows that Yukimura is very, I guess, an uh, an outward thinking person or a worldwide thinking person versus um, only thinking about what's next to you. Yeah, and I know Japanese culture can very much be not in support of that a lot of times i mean i know yeah. they're better about this than they have in the past but japan does have a very strong isolationist history indeed yeah yep that yeah that's true yeah and as far as yukimura goes with his manga writing um i believe it was during the year between finishing this and starting vinland saga he did a short manga on just a few short chapters uh which does take place in like feudal japan i believe Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For our farewell is near. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, which is included in the Vinland Saga physical releases. So, so I guess he has done Japanese uh, stories as well, uh, but obviously <laughs> a small, a small minority of, of it uh, compared to his other stuff. Yeah, and of course we do have multiple Japanese characters in this story. I mean, both Hachi right. and I are from <laughs> Japan, right? And their families and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. And speaking of I, I thought it was kind of funny how Yuri, in the first chapter where I appeared, he already then started to suspect that Hachi liked her. Mm -hmm. I like that. <laughs> Shipping from chapter one. He, he could tell. I was like, oh, there's some sexual tension here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will also say my absolute favorite single moment in this entire story was right after they all saw the cat like peeing in the toilet and just like the look on Yuri's face and he's like I need to go update the logs yes. right now. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> so, so funny. Got anything else on Yuri? Not really. For as interesting of a character as he is, I mean, like we said, his character arc is mostly done before the events of the story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and outside yeah, the very opening, true. he doesn't really have a focus section of the book. Right. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, out of the crew members, he's probably like the least prominent, although still great. For sure. Very well then. The final character that we're going to talk about is Werner Locksmith, who, uh, well, for those listening, we we did kind of sprinkle a lot of characters throughout the 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 previous four main discussions, but Locksmith, I I didn't think he fitted really well enough into either of the other discussions, so that's why we're giving him a a little segment of his own. And this guy, what a bastard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I think that Goro really describes him the best with saying he is going to get 
everything done no matter what it takes even though he sacrifices literal hundreds of lives throughout the story yeah yeah yes yeah, dreadful yeah lee i like seeing the imagery of the explosion that he caused on the moon yeah and they sure to come back to that multiple times right and like j- just yeah just the image as i like it, it's terrifying i think just seeing like that explosion the way it's shown kind of on the surface of the moon there uh, i mean the act itself is absolutely dreadful as well but i don't know the imagery really really affected me yeah and especially keeping the scar that like japanese culture has from nuclear explosions in the past yeah mm. i'm sure that hits even stronger to someone with that kind of cultural background good point yeah at first i thought he would be some sort of antagonist for the story uh when i was first reading the story i didn't really understand mm. uh, too much where he was going going with it i don't i don't think that is the case uh i don't think he's an antagonist to really anybody it's just a shitty person yeah exactly yeah (laughs) it's an interesting kind of deep dive into the mind of someone who just thinks differently who thinks without humanity without compassion Mm -hmm. and i i think there was like a a tad bit of moment when he was talking to yamashita the 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 sister of uh, one of the engineers he knew Mm -hmm. and there maybe there was like a a tad bit of you know regret and compassion at the end there from him but at the end of the day he's just a man who has thrown away all sorts of all those sorts of feelings and and Mm -hmm. humanity um just for the sake of this mission yeah um and so it's an interesting idea to think that some people just don't think the same way that uh we do necessarily um are they bad people uh yeah, I mean, I think I'd argue that even in this story that Werner is is painted as someone who's not great. Yeah. Mm. But they, it also shows him in a light that he's getting something done, like he's furthering humanity. And even Goro says, people, like you said, people like him are going to be the ones who innovate the future or, you know, bring mm. humanity forward. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. And you could even argue something like that is happening today. Although I I I I'd argue further that there still is needs to be a level of compassion even with the innovation. Um, right. It doesn't doesn't need to yeah. be all soulless. Exactly. Yeah. Ideally, there would be actual compassion behind there, and yeah, and I guess that that is kind of what makes his character definitely complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. So he he's he's interesting to to read read I think, but he yeah he's dreadful man yeah i find it interesting that we that they chose to end the story with him we're like i think is the very last shot of the book no, the very last shot of the book is a screw but <laughs> the last shot we see of a character pretty much is hmm. him just sitting next to his car listening to the radio smoking listening to the speech he's one of the last i believe oh there is one more page yeah. that shows yuri and Tanabe. Right, right. But 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 still, yeah. I mean, the the final chapter really was like his, the focus on him was very much there in the in the final chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that is because Hachimaki has or is finding, you know, something that he'll never have or at least he's kind of forsaken and that's love. Mm-hmm. Um and finding the the power that that is there and how, you know, 
powerful that can be. Yeah. Because his final line is, you make it sound so easy, kid. Uh-huh. Um, almost like he just can't comprehend um, yeah. that kind of power. Precisely. I'm kind of wishing that they'd pushed out, like, expanded that final chapter a little more. Because we only had a little bit of that conversation between him and the priest. But I think that could have gone a very interesting direction if we'd gotten more of it. Mm. That had, like, been its own thing. True. Yeah. I, I, I did think about, like, the man doing the confession in the church in that final chapter. And like, kind of his story. Mm-hmm. And kind of the relevance of that. I was thinking, I was pondering that a bit. And the way mm-hmm. I interpreted it was that that man's words, or at least his feelings and everything that he expressed to the, to the priest, is something that may also be going through Locksmith's head. Yeah. Um, it's just that Locksmith, he has just fully accepted his circumstances and he's not weighed down by his sins the same way that most other people would be uh, kind of in that situation. And I think that's the difference between him and the man doing the confession. Uh, or did you guys have like any other views or takes on that? No, I definitely agree that it was trying to show us what he was lacking. Mm-hmm. Because very much Locksmith could be saying the exact same thing about the engineer whose sister he met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it seemed like this is someone he was close to, he had a lot of respect for, uh-huh. and whose death he ended up causing. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think part of his probably he just doesn't think about it you know like i mean mm-hmm. yeah clearly he's he goes and puts the puts the flowers in the book on that grave and everything and he has that whole moment but i don't think he's dwelling on the the sin no nah. yeah like that's his only moment of humanity in the entire book yeah that moment is his only point of humanity but you know he's he's trying to like not fall into into that i guess guilt and not acknowledge that you know, he even mentions that he feels guilty about walking to that church. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I do think that he's just avoiding it instead of uh, not feeling it. You know what I mean? Like, oh. yeah, I could see that. Like it's there, but he's just ignoring it. Right. And honestly, one thing I've been kind of thinking about ever since we were talking about how Yuri's character arc really ended, like as Hachi's began, as Hachi's began mm. is we see here, Hachi's character arc ending as we just look on a very dejected locksmith. I'm wondering if that's kind of implying a circular nature of like Ah. one person's story ends just as another begins. And maybe this is the beginning of his own story. Right. Like his own improvement kind of, or, or yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea a lot. Or it could be someone who's become, Swallowed up in his own obsession, <laughs> swallowed up in space and whatnot. Like another example of that. That's fair well, I, too. I think that we really have seen enough signs of, like, there being a little bit there that he's just pushing down. That mm, that's I don't true. know. Maybe I'm just looking for hope. But no, but it's nice. I, I want to. I want to see that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. That brings us to the final stretch of this episode. The first thing I want to say, bef- like in 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 the final bit here, is that kind of my impression here is that Yukimura, or the way I see it, uh, that he really did his research on a lot of the things, kind of in terms of the science, in in behind a lot of the stuff that he brought up in the manga. It seems that 
he yeah he read up on a lot of things in order to make it as believable as possible however i specifically wanted to ask you chase as an engineer kind of what's your take on the realism of the sci-fi elements in this manga okay i was wondering why you were asking me about what kind of engineer i was the other day (laughs) (laughs) um like aerospace isn't my thing so i only have so much background here fair fair but a lot of what they like and obviously they didn't focus a lot on the technology but what they what i saw seemed pretty reasonable nothing seemed to be super out of the possibility of what we could achieve uh-huh. and one thing that i actually found really interesting is that um when they talk about the kessler syndrome mm. that's actually a real thing like that's something that's mm. been talked about in real life oh. mm-hmm. i'm actually looking into it now and it looks like it was actually like proposed exactly one century before the events of like the ending of this story because oh. i think that's the war arc took place in like 2078 i think it actually did say that somewhere right and it was first inter- the idea was first proposed by nasa scientist donald j kessler in 1978 huh. interesting so yeah that's that's very interesting it is <laughs> yeah you know and using floppy disks to share information i mean you know <laughs> that that's the future oh <laughs> uh, yeah there's definitely traces of the 90s in there or like early 2000s <laughs> yeah. for <But>, sure <laughs> but also like i said i haven't read or seen vinland saga but i also know very much that is somewhere else where he has done like mm. that's one thing i have heard about the stories he's done a lot of research about those cultures absolutely, absolutely. it's very especially for me as a swedish person it's so it's such a treat to to really to really see how how much of a of an effort he put into to researching like our history, it's it's really really fun and cool, uh, and yeah, and I I feel like it's probably kind of similar with this one. Yeah, so that definitely seems like something that he's very strong at, mm-hmm. for sure. So who who would you guys say is your favorite character from this manga? Goro. Oh yeah, you said Goro, already. Yeah. He's great. I love him. Awesome. What about you, James? Sally. No, I know. Um... <laughs> I mean, that's fair, I guess. I definitely took some enjoyment out of the uh, <laughs> I didn't say... No. Um... <laughs> you know, I don't know who my favorite character is. Uh, I really like Hachimaki's journey, but he was also one that really bugged me at the beginning. Um, I can be a, was a little preachy. But I, but I liked her relationship with Hachimaki. Mm. I can't. I'm not gonna say cute at all, even though I would love to see more of him. Um, there just there just wasn't enough. But I do think he would have been an interesting MC. Gosh, mm. I I think my favorite character might be Fee. Nice, very good pick. That's fair. Mm. I think that yeah, with her, the social things that she brings up, but also her uh, arcs are just so interesting that I think. She's my favorite. And then it would be Hachimaki, I think. Fair. Fair. Very fair. Both good choices. Definitely. As for me, uh, I'm going to have to go with Ai because I just, I just love characters like her. I do agree that she, she could have been done better. Like She could have had like focus that made her more, I, I guess, given her more of her own things to do, kind of, I suppose. Uh, but just her personality and everything is just it, it appeals to me too much for me to not pick her as my favorite yeah that sounds about right <laughs> uh and uh, as for my last question how would you guys rate this manga on a scale from one to ten 
Um, I actually did write a short review of this story, and I ah. gave it a four out of five stars. All right, so I guess that's an eight out of ten. Or yeah, and I think I think volume one was a little bit stronger than volume two. I might have given volume one like a four and a half. Ah, oh, that's interesting. I never, I didn't mm. think to really divide it like that. But then again, also which volume you're talking about can be different depending on what which version of the books you get. Precisely, because right. in Japan they were original originally released in four volumes yeah and even the fourth volume had a part one and a part two. Oh, i didn't know that so oh. <laughs> yeah i didn't know that until like five minutes before we started recording <laughs> gotcha. hmm, hmm. well it seems like you liked it at the very least oh yeah i definitely loved it thank you for convincing me to finally pick up a manga for the first time in like five years awesome i'm glad i'm glad we did <laughs> well that's great I, I am glad to hear that hmm. so how would you rate it james um i this one i've actually been thinking about a lot um i think i honestly i think my love for vinland saga is is tainting me a little bit (laughs) because i feel like vinland saga is such a masterpiece i know this is not vinland saga cast but (laughs) i i know that yukimura can do even better um (laughs) yeah so i'm kind of sitting between a six and a seven okay Mm -hmm. i think uh, i think i'm gonna sit at a I'll sit at a seven. I'll, I'll I'll sit at a seven. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, having read Vinland Saga, obviously one will compare them. Uh, and for me, mm-hmm. Vinland Saga is a ten out of ten for me. Um, yeah, same. This one is clearly not, but it, it it does still make a an eight out of ten in my book. Okay, that's so solid. I'm, I'm very very happy with it. Absolutely. So Chase. Yes. Your assignment is to go read Vinland Saga. <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> yes. It's quite. It's much longer than this one. Oh, I know. It's been running pretty much since he finished this one. Basically. <laughs> is yeah. it still More going or is it done? It's still going. It's still going. Of course it's still going. <laughs> Do either of you have any closing words you want to give before we round off this episode? Nothing particular about the book, but thank you both so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun getting to chat with you two again. Thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us. Yeah, it's been a blast yes. to have you on for this episode. Absolutely. And anyone listening, be sure to check out Chase's YouTube channel, as we mentioned at the beginning. It's called Spoiler Goblin. And, uh, you know, he, he does uh, vid- videos on, on gaming lore and uh, a bunch of other things. So definitely check that out. We'll have a link in the video description for you to, to find him easily. Yeah, I had these two on a couple months ago. Right. Or maybe a while ago. So that was actually when we started talking about doing this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that was about that was about the three DS, right? The three DS shutting down and uh yeah, it was. So actually that might have been That was a while, yeah, good while like ago. <laughs> but that was also fun. Yeah, definitely. I should have you guys back on there at some point. We would would love to, to be look there. Forward to it. <laughs> Lovely. For anyone who's new to Mummy Manga, by the way, uh, we do cover a bunch of other uh, manga series, kind of volume by volume. We don't usually do an entire series in one episode like, like we did here. Uh, but uh, the series that we do cover, volume by volume as they come out, kind of are Kaguya-sama Love is War, To Your Eternity, Spy Family, Free Run Beyond Journey's End, Vinland Saga, of course, Kaiju Number 8, Jujutsu Kaisen, and Asadora. And with that all said, if you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by rating our show on the podcast platforms and subscribing to our channel, Umami Manga, on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time when we'll talk about something else. <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. See you later.
I mean, didn't didn't Peach kiss Mario on the nose at the end of Mario sixty four? Yeah. I yeah. Guess, I guess I guess that's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> Mario was in it for the cake, though, man. True. 